I'm going to go ahead and do what I learned to do uh, last time I preached. Siri, set. Hold on. Set timer for 30 minutes. Okay, so the way that you get out of this, if I go over, is you go grab a snickerdoodle and you throw it out here somewhere. I'll come grab it, and then somebody tackles me, and then you can all run out the door. So, well, I want to welcome you this morning. Um, as always, it's a joy to be with you. Um, you see me pacing, and they put some tape on this side and this side that I'm not supposed to go outside those bounds, so I feel like I'm on a football field. So uh, that's a smart idea. Although I don't think I've ever gone that far that way or that far that way, but I guess they're playing it safe. Um, I want to welcome you this morning. I'm thankful for all of you being here. Um, before we get started, um, I just want to open in prayer as always and uh, pray for myself and pray for our congregation um, and then just make a few brief announcements and then we'll get started in our service. So would you join me in a word of prayer, please? Father God, we just want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for the service and the opportunity that you've provided for me to share your word this morning. Father, we thank you for uh, the members of this congregation who are so faithful in their service. Uh, we thank you for each employee, each staff member who serves so faithfully and so diligently. Uh, as we go through this transition, Lord, we just ask that you continue to be with us, and we thank you for your provision in and amongst this transition. And we want to lift up Pastor Mark Schilling and Pastor John Blake as they go through these transitions as well. Um, we are overwhelmed with gratitude and joy that Mark um, seems to be the perfect fit for this church. And we believe that wholeheartedly. And we trust and believe that you're going to do amazing things through this uh, building, through these people. Uh, and we're going to uh, not grow for the sake of building numbers, but we're going to grow for the sake of honoring and glorifying your kingdom, Lord. Uh, that's ultimately what our goal is, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So last week, uh, we, had the, uh, we had the blessing and the opportunity to have Pastor Mark Schilling come down from uh, Rome, New York, and he was able to preach on uh, Acts chapter 2 on what a Christian church should look like. And um, it was a beautiful sermon, and I believe that that's what any church should look like, and I um, hope you were able to take something out of that and, um, you know, gain some insight, and uh, we thank you, Mark, for, for being able to do that. Um, as far as the transition goes, Mark will uh, hope to transition at uh, the beginning of October, um, and we will maybe overlap with pastors, but um, before I go any further, I just want to uh, say something that... Um, in my short duration here, I came um, in the beginning of March, and I've had the you know, just beautiful blessing and opportunity to work with Pastor John Blake, who's been the senior pastor here for over 15 years, 16, whatever it's been. Um, I, I cannot even begin to tell you the impact that that man has made on my life. And uh, if you know Pastor John Blake, uh, you know his heart, you know what he stands for, you know uh, the work that he's put into getting this church to where it is. And um, before I start, I just, you know, would like to just acknowledge and, and, and tell him how much I love and appreciate what you are and, and who you are and what you mean to this congregation. And um, we hope to have you around for uh, a very long time, and we hope that you're able to continue to come back and, um, and do the things that you've done over the last, uh, uh, you know, decade plus. So uh, can we just give Pastor John a hand of applause?
I would not have, outside of the congregation, if Pastor John was not here, I would not have taken this job. So that should tell you all you need to know about who he is as a man. And um, he has trained me well, and he has gotten me to a place that um, is, is, is really uh, where I feel like I need to be. So, um, so uh, to get started, after uh, all we wipe all those tears away, uh, we'll, we'll get started on a little bit of a lighter note. Um, there were two brothers, uh, we're going we're gonna to preach today, don't worry, we'll get there. There were two brothers who loved baseball, and they wondered whether they could play the sport when they went to heaven. I'm a huge baseball fan, sports fan. So they swore that whoever went to heaven first would find some way to let the living brother know. And the oldest brother passed away a week later, unfortunately. On the night he was buried, he reappeared at the foot of his brother's bed, his younger brother. And his uh, younger brother says, is there baseball in heaven? The older brother says, well, I've got good news and bad news, the older brother said. The good news is there is baseball in heaven. That's great, said the younger brother. So what, what possibly could be the bad news? And the older brother looks at the younger brother. He says, well, the bad news is you're actually pitching on Sunday, bud. So, so I want to lighten the mood a little bit for you there. Um, so, um, so with that being said, I want to get to, uh, I want to get to my sermon. Uh, it's titled today, our first slide up here. It's called, When Will I Ever Get Better? The Healing Touch of a Savior. Um, this story is about uh, a bleeding woman. It's kind of a story that maybe gets overlooked in the Bible. You know, you may, may not hear about it very often, but it is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And if any, how many people in the room have seen the uh, show, The Chosen? Anybody ever seen that show? They, they did a depiction of this story in that show. And it brought me to tears, just the way that they were able to portray the emotion and the way that, you know, they, they showed it. Um, it was incredibly moving. And um, if you haven't seen that show, I would strongly encourage you to watch it because it was, it was pretty impactful. So today's message is going to come out of the book of Mark. Uh, if, you're, if, if you have your Bible, I know the story comes in Mark and Luke. But if you have your Bible, would you open to uh, chapter 5? It's verses 25 through 34. We're just going to go through and we're going to read this passage, um, and we're going we're to dive right in here. It says, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors who had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she just grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. It's a beautiful story. Uh, again, it's in Mark and it's in, uh, I believe, Luke chapter 8 as well. So have you ever had an issue that's defined you in life? Have you ever been in a position where you've had an issue that you felt like, even if it was just for a season, it's defined you? Something that's hindered you, it's sapped your life, your strength, perhaps it's a habit or addiction, stolen your identity, maybe damaged your relationships, wounded your family, drained your finances, crushed your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, you, you've planned on going to the right, you ended up having to go to the left. Um, maybe it's made you feel powerless, insignificant. I just want to encourage you to, to look at one of the most famous issues in the, in the Bible, the account of the woman with the constant bleeding, 
that we find in Mark. Her chronic menstrual hemorrhage, we don't know a lot about it, but it was possibly ovarian cancer. It could have been ovarian or cervical cancer. Um, but it, what we do know is that it caused her turmoil for years, for 12 years. That's a very long time to go through a struggle. 12 long years she struggled with this. And sickness can be, it's just a great interrupter of life. It's something that you can't really plan for, you know? Um, you know, we went through COVID and everybody knew that at that point there was a, you know, very high risk that you would get sick. Somebody in your household gets sick. You take proactive measure to make sure that you don't, uh, you know, go around that person, even though I'm extremely guilty of going up and giving my wife a kiss, even though she's coughing or I'm coughing, she'll do it, vice versa. Sometimes you lose sight of it and, you know, it, it happens. Uh, but once one person gets sick, usually it en ends up going through the house. But uh, it takes away, sickness can take away the idea of certainty, it diminishes hope for the future. It's like, uh, like if a burglar were to come into your home, it touches every, you know, it can touch every part of your life. It's rare that we know when it's going to come. It's not like you can prepare for it. Sometimes you can if you go into the doctor and get a diagnosis. But it is a consistent battle of fighting an illness, and often it consumes us, and it can, can, it can control our entire lives. For some of us, we've been through major illnesses in our lives, and, and others have skated through life with an absolute clean bill of health. We've been very fortunate. Some of you are 80, 70, 90, I don't know how old you are, but some of you have never had to go through a, a, uh, an illness that's, uh, you know, been super severe, you know, and, and that's, that's a huge blessing. Uh, if that's true for you, please in no way take that for granted because uh, in, in my case, I can easily forget what the Lord has redeemed me from. I'll touch on that a little bit later on a personal level, but uh, if you have been healthy and you are healthy, please remember to thank the Lord for that. So there are two stories that are, under, uh, that, uh, that are intertwined here, and I'd like to focus on just one of those stories. At the request of Jairus, everybody knows the story of Jairus. Um, he's a ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus is on his way to restore the complete health of his dying daughter. We know that Jairus' daughter's dying, and he's on a mission of restoration, and this crowd is following him in order to see if he can perform this miracle. A lot of people have doubts. They think he's crazy. They're, they're thinking, she's dead. There's no way he's going to bring her back to life. And so they're following him, and his walk is interrupted by this very sick woman. And she's crawling on the ground, so she doesn't want to be noticed. You know, she doesn't want to be noticed. She doesn't want to, you know, uh, be seen rubbing up against anybody. And her, you could tell, but when you see her, you could tell uh, that her body, and, and by the story in the Bible, you can tell her body, she's in a lot of pain. So for 12 years, she suffered, and she wants relief. She wants restoration. She wants her health back, and she wants her life. And her only hope right now is Jesus. She hopes that he can heal her. And she had every reason to want to be healed. Her sickness, as any sickness, had a profound effect on her. She felt losses caused by her illness every day. And in addition to that, due to the constant bleeding, she would have been deemed unclean and not been allowed to worship at the temple. And more than likely, she would have been treated so badly by the Jewish people. She was considered an outcast, and most likely, she probably had no social life. So can you imagine just not being able to go to church, not being able to be out in the you know, society, not being able to like communicate with people, just because everybody sees you as just like this dirty, uh, unclean person that nobody wants to be around. And so, you know, it states that her condition would have made her ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. And we know that because if you look back in uh, Leviticus 15, chapter, or verses 25 through 27, uh, up, on, up on the slide there, uh, I'll go through the passage very quickly. It says, when a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time, 
other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has that discharge, just as in the days of her period. Any bed she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean as her bed during her monthly period, and anything she sits on will be unclean as during with her period. Anyone who touches them will be unclean. They must wash their clothes and bathe with water, and they will be unclean until the evening. And so she was ceremonially unclean. So it's not hard to imagine that this woman more than likely, like I said, lived an isolated, lonely life. And if I can make any kind of reference to it, if you're, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say you had to be too old, but if you're in your 30s or 40s, you could probably make a reference. Uh, you could look back to the early uh, 90s, late 80s. There was a gentleman named Magic Johnson who played for the, uh, the LA Lakers. Everybody remember Magic Johnson? So Magic Johnson in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, he was diagnosed with AIDS. He lived a very uh, promiscuous life. He had a lot of money. He did a lot of things he probably shouldn't have done, slept with a lot of women. And uh, he was diagnosed with AIDS. And uh, when he uh, got that diagnosis, he had to go on public television and come out and tell everybody that he had AIDS. And when he did this, um, there was this huge fear around the NBA that none of the NBA players wanted to be around him. And at that particular time, the All-Star game was going on, and all the fans had already voted him in. And all the players said that if you choose to let Magic Johnson, ooh, tape. They chose, uh, the players <laughs> chose to uh, tell Magic Johnson, we don't, we don't, we're not going to play in this All-Star game if, you, if the commissioner chose to let Magic Johnson in. Because at that point in time, there, there was not a lot of knowledge about what AIDS was. There, there weren't the cures that we have today. And the fear was that if magic had been cut, uh, that that cut could get into another cut. You know, you know how it gets spread. And even then, there was even people who thought that sweat-to-sweat -sweat contact could cause some kind of interaction and could get them sick. And so nobody wanted to be around Magic Johnson. Um, I think he ended up still getting to play some of the game. But uh, at the end of the day, Magic ended up having to retire from basketball because of this disease, because people saw him in a different light now. And um, I'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. And it actually forced him into retirement almost at the peak of his career. And if you don't know, Magic Johnson is known as one of the greatest point guards, if not the greatest point guards of all time. And so that was really unfortunate for Magic Johnson. So in today's message, there are many things that we can look at, but I would like to take a deeper look and a deeper dive into what, can being, sick, what being sick can cause us to lose. How it can lose us, to, uh, we lose focus on what matters most in this life. If we choose to allow it to, it can consume us and take all of our energy, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. When we get sick, oftentimes there are temporary losses, and then other times we can experience permanent losses due to these sicknesses. In our story here, we can see that this woman experienced loss every single day. Maybe you've been there, so let's take a look at the sickness, what sickness can steal from us if we choose to let it. And before we start, I wanna make mention of the fact that in no way am I saying that it is abnormal to have genuine care or concern over your health and well-being um, if you do it in a way that displays confidence and trust in the Lord. When you get sick, it's a natural instinct to you know, be concerned. You want to get well. I mean, it, it's, it's inevitable that it's going to take things away from you. It's going to uh, take your ability to be able to go to work away, maybe. Uh, you may not be able to be physically active and exercise. You may not be able to play with your kids the way you want to. So I'm not saying that you're abnormal and you should think like, oh, I'm sick. Yes, this is the greatest thing in the world. I have Jesus. He's going to fix it. Everything's going to be okay. Yes, that is true, but you still probably feel 
physically awful. Um, I, uh, you know, this is weeks ago, so please nobody freak out, but COVID's been around for what now, three years we've been, three, four years we've been dealing with it. Um, I ended up getting sick and had my first bout a couple weeks ago. Didn't think that it was ever going to happen to me. Took a test, there it is. And, you know, it's, it sucked the life out of me. I was sweating profusely, um, and it, it was not fun at all. And if you've been there, I'm sure you know that. And with my history, I was a little bit nervous because you know that it can turn from one thing into another into another. And so it, it, was, it was a tough bout. So um, on our slide here, I want to look at what do we lose in sickness? I want to lo- look at what do we lose in sickness, or what can we lose if we choose to let it? So some of the most common things and feelings of loss, number one is loss of control. Suddenly the body, rather than obeying you, the body's naturally supposed to, uh, it, it was created to be healthy, but it has, a, you know, when you get sick, it has its own agenda, and it behaves any way it pleases. It's like driving a car on an icy highway. Suddenly the car, you hit an ice slick, and before you know it, you're out of control, you hit the brake, you, tis, you twist the wheel, uh, the steering wheel, nothing helps. All you can do is hang on and wait for the crash, right? You're just waiting. And it's sickening. It's a helpless feeling. And this was an embarrassing condition of this woman. She had been subject to this bleeding for 12 years, and her body was out of control. And so she was just kind of waiting, like, when is this going to either end, or when am I going to get better? And so uh, that brings me to my next point, which would be loss of identity. When we get sick, we can lose our identity. Sick people can become defined by their illness. Isn't it interesting that the lady in the story, she's not even addressed by her name. That's pretty interesting, right? It says a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding. The same is true today. When we speak of certain people, when we address somebody, sometimes we may say she has cancer or he has AIDS or she suffers from manic depression. Sick people can lose their identity in their sickness, and I'm sure you've been there. One is no longer the person they were. They are the person who has an illness, who is disfigured or who endures chronic pain or who may be dying. Uh, But we can be defined by an event or a moment, even if we choose not to let it. Society may choose to label us anyway. It's just inevitable. Um, Our next point is we can lose, uh, we we have a loss of certainty. Um, And what I mean by that is with a chronic illness, everything becomes contingent upon that condition. So what you think at one point was certain in your life is no longer certain. Vacations are contingent upon your body being well. One will go to work if the sickness allows. Even getting up in the morning can be stipulated by your sickness. Our emotions, even our mood can be impacted by our health. What was once predictable is now just provisional. For me personally, I've had a hard time thinking anywhere outside the bounds of my sickness. When I get sick, it consumes me. If anybody that is in this room and you know me, you know that when I'm sick, it absolutely consumes me. My wife can tell you that. Um, You can call that pride, selfishness, whatever it may be. But I have reflected on this and chalked it up to maybe a sense of entitlement, um, as if I don't deserve to feel this way. Why me, right? And so it's uh, a feeling of unfamiliarity. I have, for the most part, been healthy for the better part of my life. And maybe you have too, but it can be tough to focus on your priorities in life when you're ill. And I know that you've probably been there. It's more than doable, and, and more importantly, it's necessary. And for me, uh, I usually would use it as a justification to just say, look, I got to be well to perform my responsibilities. And, you know, I can carry it to a level that it doesn't belong. 
So you can't just hide in a room until everything gets better, or I can't hide in a room. Unless you are incapacitated, uh, or you're cancer or bedridden, we have to be able to pick up the pieces and proceed to the best of our ability. Amen? Everybody agree with that? If we're sick and we're still capable of doing the Lord's work, it's important for us to be able to go out and still continue to serve in some capacity, just so as long as we're not jeopardizing somebody else. That's important to know. Uh, our next point, um, and before I go into our next point, I want to make mention of somebody uh, real quick because he, he pops into my head every time I think about uh, myself being sick and just sickness in general. My former boss, his name is, um, I'm not going to say who it is actually because I don't know if he wanted me to put it out there, but my former boss, um, he came down with a cancer that was very rare and he had a very small chance of survival rate. He had a cancer that uh, he had to be on treatment for almost, uh, not almost, he was on uh, chemo and radiation for two years. And this is a gentleman who is the strong, one of the strongest gentlemen that I've ever met in my entire life. Um, he was my mentor. He still is a mentor to me. He's somebody that um, if you were to look at a Christian man and what a Christian man should look like, you, you could look at this man, and he defines everything that a Christian man should be. And he came down with an illness. And if you hadn't known any better, unless he told you, the only way that you would have known that he was sick is by looking at the physical stature of the way he looked. He never complained. He never made mention of it. All he did was go about his business and live his life. Now, did he have internal struggles, mental struggles that, that people didn't know about? I'm sure he did. Behind closed doors, did he struggle? I'm sure he did. But when you looked at him on the outside, he came to work every day. He did his job. And it just blew my mind away that, that he had the ability to live a life uh, just almost in a normal sense, looking death right in the face. And, and, that, and that is so powerful to me. Uh, the next one is uh, on our slides is our loss of place in society. When sick, losses go beyond the body. Sickness often puts strains on our relationships, our jobs, our hobbies, and our families. It's happened to me. The sick person feels better, sometimes better in the hospital than they do with sick people, but not in the healthy world. We just don't feel like we feel good out here. Uh, we don't fit in. And this has ultimately been my greatest struggle when afflicted by my current struggles with illness. When I get sick, it's hard for me to stay away, get rest, and get well. I'll give you an example. Oftentimes, I feel like it's my obligation to get back to work. Like, I got to get there. People are counting on me. People are uh, needing me. And most times, all that does is it sets me back, and it gives people the wrong idea, and they think that I'm somewhere that I'm, I'm not. And so it's tough. It can be misleading. And in the end, all it does is it makes me look bad, and it makes me look lazy, because I'm a lot worse than what you think I am. But because I think I need to buck up, and because of my pride, I show up, and then within a couple of days, I realized that I actually did need rest. I did need to take the time I needed, and I didn't. So instead of trusting the Lord, it was always about what can I do to fix it instead of, Lord, I know you have my best interest at heart, even though I know it in my head, I don't always let that resonate in my heart. And we have to be able to do that. So for all that I've done, I certainly, you know, in my life, all the bad that I've done, I have no reason to question when affliction comes upon me. I myself just need to trust the Lord will utilize the situation in whatever manner he needs to in order to accomplish his will in my life, to build me up in some capacity or bring glory to himself in whatever way he desires. 
That's for sickness, that's for struggles, that's for whatever you're going through. For me not to trust God would be foolish after all he has walked me through. The next one is loss of resources, and then we'll wrap it up with our, with our uh, last point here, loss of hope, loss of resources. This older woman in the story had spent all she had. She f- was financially bankrupt, emotionally spent, physically weak. She reminds us that the vast fortunes of time, energy, and money can be squandered in an effort to bring healing. We can waste all that we have to bring healing, but much like her, I spent so much money not just on hospital bills, but on vitamins and things that I thought were going to make me well. And yes, there are benefits to certain things that we can take that can bring benefit to our body, but we shouldn't expect that they're going to totally eliminate all of our problems because they won't. In fact, we get so caught up in trying anything and everything to make us well that we put ourselves in a hole and lose sight of the fact that the one true God is the one that can bring us exactly what we need, and that's healing and redemption. Amen? The one true God is the one thing that's going to bring us healing and redemption. And when we lose sight of that and we try and fix ourselves, that's where we have problems. And lastly, uh, we have a loss of hope here. And so perhaps the most chilling aspect of this lady's life was that she had tried everything. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. And that can be so discouraging. And so she is beyond human help and hope. And she was at her wit's end. And as a last resort, she comes to Jesus hoping that he could heal her. That was her last resort, Jesus, which should have been her first resort. And so she was desperate enough to try anything, and this was me. I had reached my wit's end and decided I was going to look forward to, you guys know my story about the pneumonia, over and over and over. And so I had made a decision that I was going to move forward with this surgery that I had four weeks ago. And praise God that the surgery seems to have worked. And I am so thankful that I chose to do it because I feel like I'm in a place today that I have not been in in a very long time. And that is where I'm able to focus and know that I don't have to anticipate that I will have pneumonia. Uh, I'm not going to say ever again, but uh, it's been pretty good for me. So praise God for that. I have learned not to let my health run my mental state and take me away from all my other responsibilities as a man. Uh, Things that I previously mentioned, work, fatherhood, husband, duties, etc. All these things need to be taken care of. The most amazing part of it all is that if in a hypothetical situation, I want to mention this to you. If in a hypothetical situation, you or I were to pass on and Jesus were to take us home, I have to remember and understand that it was his plan to begin with. And if I choose not to see this and reflect on that, I'm essentially saying that I would much rather be here in the world than to be with the God that created me. And that would be really, really foolish. The Bible says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't get me wrong, the human aspect of wanting to take care of my family, love my wife, and raise my children is very real, and nothing will ever remove the pain or fear that comes along with the thought of passing. It's natural and normal that we should assume that it's a scary situation, but we can have a sense of peace in and through it, and we uh, have to trust that when God says it's our time to move on, it's our time to move on. So um, I want to wrap up, and I want to look at just a couple key points here that I thought were really, really beautiful here. Uh, And and one of them is the desperation of the sinner. When we become desperate enough, we reach a place where we'll try anything to reach a place of resolution and wholeness. The older woman in the story I hear, she was willing to try anything to bring healing to her body. And she had heard about Jesus, a healer. Strangely, something awakens in her where she realizes that, uh, you know, she has to go to him, and resolution gradually builds in her heart, and she thinks, I got to find him. I got to find this Jesus. I must go to him. 
So she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched just his cloak. She didn't physically touch him because she was afraid that it would make him ceremonially unclean. And she thinks, she thinks to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Can you imagine her nervous reasoning there just to touch him? But there cannot be any harm in touching his robe, she, think, his robe, she thinks. It would be enough just to touch the hem of the robe. If I just touch it, I could get some of that power. And this is just a great display of faith for this woman to understand that she didn't need to do anything but just get a piece of Jesus to potentially redeem and heal herself. And she's desperate enough to give it a try. So she squeezes through the crowd. Others are bumping into Jesus. She reaches out. She touches him. And we have to ask ourselves, what does this say to us? When we are so desperate and so dead that we know we have nothing left to lose, we can risk being brave and reach out and ask Jesus to help us. But don't let it get to that point, guys. Sometimes Jesus knows this is the only way to grab our attention, to get us to our absolute lowest point, so we have nowhere to turn but him. But we shouldn't have to get to that point. I, I just want to preach that and say that to you. And the next slide here, and uh, we're going to wrap up with the compassion of the Savior, and then I'm going to wrap up just with a couple things that I think are important. As instantaneously as the woman touched Jesus, he sensed healing power had gone out of him, and no one noticed her. No one but Jesus. He turned around to see who had touched him, who had just been healed and why, and he asked, who touched my clothes? And he looked for her, but she does not wait for her. Uh, he, she does not wait to be found. Once again, as in the initial healing, she comes forward on her own, presents herself to Jesus. And Jesus says to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus calls her daughter. She had been a daughter of death and now she has become a daughter of life. And in an instant, her body regains control and so can yours, wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, you can regain control of your life. And she regains her place in society. She's restored to wholeness and she discovers hope. In an instant, Jesus heals her sickness, eases her suffering, and grants her freedom. And best of all, he saves what? He saves her soul. And so, you know, most of us in our lives sometimes are just bumping into Jesus and not actually touching him. There's my 30 minutes. Give me a couple more. And so I want to wrap up here in conclusion and just offer a few suggestions for you and say this. That as you and I, the seeker, we have to understand that first and foremost, we have to give God a chance. We've got to give him a chance. We have to take our problems to him, whatever it may be, in prayer. Tell him about it just as if he did not know a thing and hold nothing back. Dare to be honest. He knows our hearts. He knows our struggles. So there's no sense in trying to hold anything from our Heavenly Father. Next, we must believe that God will hear us. Remember that he heard the poor woman who only touched the hem of his garment and believe with all your faith that he cares what happens to you. You must believe you cannot doubt it. When you look at that cross and you can't especially ask him to do something, lay it down at the cross and then go pick it up again and say, I don't think that you can handle this. I'm going to take it upon myself to do it. You've got to leave it there and you've got to trust and wait on him. The third thing is, is be willing to wait patiently for the Lord. He does not answer every prayer on Sunday afternoon or when you prayed in an instant. You may have to wait till Friday. You may have to wait till next month. You may have to wait till next year, but you must be willing to wait. God is never in a hurry, and the person who waits on God loses nothing. Remember the story I told you when I had hepatitis C and I wanted to be healed of that, and I wanted that medication right then and right there? If I had gotten what I wanted right then and right there, 
I would have had to pay $100,000. And then I wanted it a year later. If I had gotten it then, when, God, when I asked God, I would have had to pay $50,000. But guess what? God had other ideas. God gave me that medication when, I, when, when he saw fit, and he gave it to me two years later, and he allowed me to pay $5. So there's God's plans, and then there's my plans. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the idiot that would have paid, I would have tried to find a way to get the $100,000. But God says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go through this process. I'm going to let you trust me and I'm going to let your faith be built. And you're going to pay $5 and you're going to remember that. And you're going to remember that you can trust me no matter how long it takes. Because I have the answer and sometimes, not sometimes, we oftentimes always don't. We must be willing to reach out and touch him. The fourth thing is the one thing to read and know about the Lord and quite another to trust him and act on his word. We have to be doers of the word and not hearers. Many people bump into Jesus, but few reach out and touch him. In faith, reach out and or receive it when someone shares the gospel with you and receive what God has for you. Um, do not reject what God is trying to give you. And lastly, when he speaks, we do what he tells us. He may not tell you audibly, you may not hear his voice, and you might not see writing in the clouds or in the sky, guys, but generally through your own conscience or through trusted counsel of friends, he will indicate a course of action. And when he lets you know what you must do, you got to do it. Even if you feel like it's tough or it's hard, he has a plan and he knows what he's talking about and we must do it. And in, in conclusion, I have a final word here and we're going to wrap up. I've been through cancer scares. I've been through many things. I've beat pneumonia as a nine-month-old. I've also had pneumonia nine to 10 different times in the last three years. And I'll tell you what I've learned. When you think you have no time left and that this may be it, suddenly everything in your life seems to shrink down and everything that you think is important becomes irrelevant and drastically insignificant. Many things instantly just drop off your radar. And it's like your entire world just goes like this. And what do I mean by this? Your clothes, your cars, your houses, your jobs, your bills, your money. They no longer seem to carry the weight that they once did, do they? And so I would say this to you. What suddenly shifts into focus is your family. Am I right with God? Did I utilize the time that God gave me in the best way possible? The abilities that he gave me, did I take advantage of them? I guess I could say it like this. Our whole perspective on life changes when you think that you have little to no time left. And I would say this as well. We ought to live each day like it's our last and we must take nothing for granted because tomorrow's not promised, guys. And it's never a given. Just like this bleeding woman, 12 years, she didn't know that if tomorrow was gonna be her last day, but she reached a point where she trusted that she needed to get to Jesus. And sometimes I can lose sight of that fact. And so I want to say this, is that when we choose to do what God says, it is a great faith builder to be able to reflect on each and every time God has come through for us and answered prayer. And even times when he doesn't, at some point, I was always able to see that when he didn't answer prayer that I thought he should, that it was for my best interest. And I may have thought I knew best, but ultimately we must always remember that he's building our character just like that bleeding woman. And I have often mentioned to you that I typically, when I'm called to preach, I will preach on something that I'm currently walking through and dealing with, and this is something that I've been walking through, and many of you know that. You've seen me shed tears over the fact that I did not know if I was gonna get well. And it took time, and it was a process. And so I wanna say this, 
You may have guessed that I can deeply relate to this story, and since arriving at this wonderful church, I have seen to be afflicted by one thing after another in terms of health issues. Even when I got a problem fixed, it appeared that another one just came right around the corner. And I want to thank each and every one of you. I, I mean this. Those of you that are sitting here and those that are not sitting that are watching online, I want to thank each and every one of you for being patient with me, even when I wasn't patient with myself. And I want to thank you for loving me when I couldn't love myself. And I want to thank you for trusting God when I did not trust God. Because sometimes that's what we need. We need the body of believers around us to do what we can't do for ourselves. And I want to encourage you with that today. That sometimes we need other people to build us up and to, to actually hold us up, right? I felt like I was on the ground and I needed people to pick me up and you guys did. And I will never be able to thank you enough for that. You have loved me like Jesus and displayed compassion in ways that I did not know existed. You have strengthened my faith and made me a stronger believer and I couldn't ask for anything else. I love all of you and I'm here for anything that you ever need. All you have to do is ask me and I'm here for you just like you were there for me. You truly resemble what a church should look like and I'm thankful to be here. Now before I start crying, let's pray this thing out and let's go fill our stomachs. All right, let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you. And Lord, I do not know what anybody in this room is going through. I do not know their struggles. I do not know the trust and the faith that they may have in you or they may not have in you. But my prayer today, Lord, is that they would reach a place in their lives where they can say, God, you're all I have left and I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna trust your people and I'm gonna reach out and I'm gonna believe that you can restore me, that you can heal me. And if that isn't your plan, I'm okay with that. Give us all a sense of peace of what we need, Lord, and where we need to be. Father God, it is just with great joy and great pleasure that I stand here today able to share your word and to share a story that I can deeply relate to and I'm sure many people in this room can as well. So as we go throughout our day, help us reflect on the beauty and the gratitude that we should have for each day and help us to take nothing for granted, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said...